Hello everyone and welcome to the next episode of Hoopod. My name is Blair Beverage and I am not in this episode. Uh, Joey runs this episode with the assistance of the lovely Terilyn. Uh, they're both very uh, tired pandas in this one. One was up really early, the other was up really late. Uh, this was a very difficult uh, podcast to to schedule. We've been back and forth for honestly about six to seven months trying to get this thing lined up. So. Uh, I wasn't able to make it, but I was happy that uh, Joey, Terilyn were, and uh, this one's a good one, guys. You're going to like this one. This is with Kaloum. Now, Kaloum lives in London, England, but uh, sounds like from the podcast he is originally from Belgium. He is an architect, so uh, there's that. Uh, <laughs> Terilyn points out at some point during the podcast that she thought that that was a uh, profession that only existed in TV and movies, but no, apparently there are actual architects in this world. Uh, on the podcast Beyond Architecture, they talk Star Wars without me. That's okay. That's fine. It's fine. I, I had life to live. Uh, Vampire the Masquerade, uh, his podcast, which is The Rolliste, uh, which I believe is French for role player. Uh, movies, Netflix, and uh, unfortunately we have to use the scratch track for this one. Uh, we lost one of the tracks and it is unrecoverable. Uh, my apologies to Kaloum. Uh, Joey and Tierland for this, but uh, hey, we got to roll with what we do. Um, let's dive into this, shall we? Hoopa number 49 with our guest, Kaloum. All right, good morning and welcome to the next episode good of Hoopa. <laughs> good morning. Hey, you know what? <laughs> you know what, Tierland? Technically speaking, this is what? kind of like the first time we're both awake for the morning. At the this same is actually time. very true, and I'm at the I'm at the like right end scale of a proper morning. It's nearly one a.m. and like this is a proud moment for us. Look at us go! It's the same day. <laughs> at least, at least I didn't have to get up as early as you did when we interviewed Felicia Day and Kalu. <sighs> seriously, that's why I sounded so drunk on that podcast. I swear to God, I don't know what was going on. <laughs> when... so, so I'm I'm worthy of as much effort as Felicia herself. That's that's touching. Oh, exactly. Don't you worry. Well, yeah, because otherwise, it, otherwise here it's the afternoon, lovely afternoon in London, uh, GMT. Yeah, I can um, see green. on the video, beautiful bright light shining in, lovely and warm. Here I am. Let me show you the the view. Uh, if it's long enough, oh uh, no, it's not long enough. I would have loved to show you the skyline, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, we're... had lunch, relaxed, uh, slept late this morning, so everything is great. When Tierlin had to get uh, up for Felicia Day, uh, it, about 20 minutes prior to the show, she showed uh, Blair and I how dark it was outside, and she looked like, just like a little child. Like I'm so confused. I don't. I thought. I thought morning had daylight. This is weird. I'm scared. It was adorable. <laughs> it felt very apocalyptic. <laughs> So with us this episode, we have Callum of the Rollis Podcast. Welcome, Callum. Thank you. Thank you for having me on Hooper. It's exciting. Unfortunately, Blair is not able to be with us today uh, because of scheduling conflicts and whatnot. He's off having a real life as opposed to Tierlin and I. <laughs> I think he just wanted to sleep in. That's what I think he's doing. I know, that cheeky bastard. Yeah, it <laughs> and my co-host today is, of course, the wonderful, fabulous, and infamous Tierlin Puxty. Oh, that's not what he says off air. I know. I, I call her all <laughs> kinds of nasty names. <laughs> it's, it's wonderful. We got the three corners of the globes today. So, so true. So, Callum, tell us, how did you discover Hoopod? Or uh, Team Human, for that matter. Sorry. Can you tell? Yes, ladies and gentlemen, can you tell that Joey Couture is completely awake? Welcome to the show. <laughs> so the, the so the the way I heard about Team Human uh, was through the Geek and Sundry forum. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's going to be sort of the the theme of this interview with you and me today is the fact that uh, I feel a bit like. I'm coming late to the party because when I, I went to, I, I've heard of Geek and Sundry for a while. I knew Felicia. I've seen her in a number of things. Uh, she's been uh, on the, the side of my radar for, for a while. 
I started my own podcast show, the Rollis Podcast, which is aiming to bridge people together with around the interest of tabletop RPG, but trying to, to be outward looking, to, to connect people rather than concentrate on a specific little game or set of rules or, or things like that. And uh, and so, long story short, why all do I know Team Human? It's because I, I was trying to promote my show like a, a terrible person. But yeah, <laughs> I... I <laughs> so I showed no. up on the forum. I showed up on the forum of uh, Geek and Sundry, uh, which was pretty much empty with uh, a few remaining people uh, like Zuffy, uh, very nice, very welcoming, but uh, mostly complaining of the state of the forum. Then I saw that there was another forum called Team Human, and I went there. And, uh, well, uh, I'm still trying to get in there, to be honest. Uh, I really like, I was very interested from the start about the set of values which were stated on the forum, which were presented as the values of Team Human. Uh, I told this, the inclusiveness, the open-mindedness, being kind to each other's, uh, I'm a big fan of Will Wedden, so uh, if you can sum up as don't be a dick, uh, I, I, I really felt uh, attracted to those values. But as I, I wrote to you, am I a, a human myself? I don't know. I, I'm counting on you to sort of uh, help me work this out. Uh, is human about values or is it about really the, the fandom of Geek and Sundry and, uh, and Felicia, which I'm still jumping on the bandwagon at the moment to be honest well being part of team human it's kind of individual for everybody um like for for me personally it's about being a positive influence through a community and spreading that positivity throughout um and helping others um now that same viewpoint can be seen by a lot of other other humans for others it's a little bit different but being part of team human part of the requirement i guess you could say like you know this is how you get in uh is being a good person somebody with you know a sense of right and wrong and not being uh an asshole or, or a dick for that matter like will wheaton says you know don't be a dick so I, I think I think you're off to a good start. I think you are. I'm crossing fingers then. <laughs> so Little Bird tells me that you're an architect. I am indeed. I'm yeah, a... I thought that only happened in the movies. Oh it's no no, there, there's some real Wait, ones. What do you it, do? It's... Well, pretty much it's it's great because your when you date a girl, the parents are always very happy about your job. Well, uh, otherwise, a sitcom is an architect. Like you think of um, what is it? How I Met Your Mother. He's an architect. Um, a, a terrible movie. architect. It's so bad in that. It's a horrible, <laughs> it's a horrible architect. Ted Mosby. Ah, uh, it's so bad. Why Sven and Sven. They are very good architects. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I do well. Um, well, you can do a number of things when you're an architect. That's what's quite cool when you, you, you study that because when you come out of the school, and to be honest, when I was coming out of school myself, I was not super happy with myself, but you still have a lot of options. So when I came out of school, I was completely disgusted with architecture. So I wanted to work on set design in, uh, in the movie industry. Uh, I had a, a tiny, tiny little go at that. And then in the end, I realized that actually I did like architecture and was not too bad at it. So I ended up being a, an architect. But you can be an architect. You can design houses. That's probably what you, you picture. You can concentrate on doing just the interior. Uh, you can be. You can tr take additional training to become a proper landscape architect. Uh, you can be more urban designer like I am or a planner who's more like doing stuff like in SimCity, you would say. Uh, you could be an architect who draw design buildings and then gives the plan to someone to build it. Or you can be an architect who doesn't draw buildings at all, but is just all day uh, on a construction site, making sure what I've designed is being built correctly. So if you are like the indoor, the outdoor, being on a computer, drawing, being creative, uh, you can be a, a number of different things. And 
me, I specialized as an urban designer and I'm specialized in public transport. And right now I'm working on, a, on an airport and it's very exciting because it's really looking into the future and trying to have ideas of how to do things the best, be sustainable and financially viable at the same time. And I love it a lot. But at the same time, I know people would hate it because what I'm quotation mark designing won't be built until, I don't know, 20, 30 years. And, uh, and I won't be involved in the construction of that. And I know colleagues who, who would prefer to see their things being built. Personally, I prefer to be there from the start and inference. So you've got a lot of options if you if you study architecture. That's what's quite cool. So, so when you design, is it kind of like, it's blueprints, isn't it? Uh, well, in my case, not really, because it's much more strategic. So for instance, the, the project I'm working on at the moment is an airport. So we are deciding what and where you would build things like offices, uh, train station, underground stations, uh, warehouses, hotels, etc. So at the level where I'm pointing, it's more little diagrams with colors saying that's where you should have hotels and that's where you should have offices. But I'm not actually drawing the hotel of the offices. That's what I'm doing. But another architect in five, six, ten years, hopefully, will draw the blueprints of the buildings, which which is the sort of things I did earlier in my career, but then I drifted away from from that. Because, yeah, the, the thing is, the earlier you are, the more choice and decision you make uh, and the, the more detailed you are. And the, the later you are in the process, uh, the more thing you actually draw and design, but actually the less choice you have because it's been already decided how big the hotel is going to be, where the hotel is going to be, and this sort of thing. So uh, I find it funnier to, to decide, who should, it, should this be a hotel or should it be a crazy Amazon robotic uh, warehouse or, or whatever? Yeah, because I was sort of thinking so, if I ever became an architect, I think the only way I could design is to go on The Sims. <laughs> and I was wondering if anyone had ever kind of <laughs> yeah. like designed on The Sims and slipped it to you and went, yeah, could, could you build this? <laughs> yeah, that would be interesting, you know. Uh, what's interesting with this sort of game is that it sort of uh, opens the mind and makes it a bit easier for, for people to interact with when you have clients because uh, there's a lot of complicated questions. And um, when people are, are the, the ability to explore things in 3D or build them yourself actually helps a lot uh, to, to learn uh, in a software about those things. It's also very rare to discuss role, um, video games with uh, other architects because they, they use architects' vocabulary. I, under, I remember a, a fellow student telling me, oh, I'm stuck in that level in Half-Life. And I was like, Where, what level is that? He said, oh, that's the level with the nice mezzanine, which is overlooking uh, the cantilever part. And it was just uh, yeah, a... a jumble of architect's terms and it was very confusing to work out what he was thinking but he was thinking in terms of spatial quality of half-life at least you got to admire it though you know considering in in his mind he's thinking that he's trying to put it into easier terms whenever i had to explain something computer-wise to my mom i'd be like okay so your hard drive is this orange and you only have so many slices you can take out of it for all of your programs and stuff. And then she started to understand because I put it into terms of produce. So you got to give the guy credit for trying to put the game description into terms for him. <laughs> yeah, I remember in computers coming up with metaphors with four parents or so like, okay, your CPU is, no, your RAM is a bucket and your hard drive is a well. And your CPU is how fast you take your bucket up and down the well to collect water. And the water is the data. <laughs> and yeah, in the end, it doesn't help. <laughs> oh, I got to say, though, it really, really kind of helps the exoticness of your podcast, which, by the way, for those of you uh, listening who do not know, uh, Callum hosts a podcast called the Rollus Podcast. Um why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, because I know that uh, Rollus means role players in French, 
and I understand that you did a recent episode in Florence, Italy. I need to know about this. Well, the starting point of the podcast, I'm an immigrant here in London, a city I love and I really adopted. I really consider this place my home. And I'm passionate about role-playing games. And also when I moved to London, one of the first group of people I ran into is a role-playing game club, but French-speaking. Oh, so nice. it's, it's very niche, called La Guilde des Rollis Francophones de Londres. There's a number of French speakers in London. Uh, the, it's not uh, the former mayor uh, uh, bragged to f the French mayors that he was the mayor of the sixth biggest French city, which might be true because there, there's so much, many French here in London and for, there's been for, for time as long at least as from the the Huguenots. But so I ran into this group of uh, role playing games in French. I uh, started listening to a lot of podcasts, including uh, Radio Free Burrito, I'm a big fan of, and was really a push for me to do my own thing because uh, we were done anything. Right? Just, just do something, just do it. Don't, don't care too much about what people are going to think. And I thought what I like with podcasts is how. They, they bring you in the living room or the basement of other people and you find out a little bit about their walk of life and through a, an interest you share with them. And, and I thought actually that would be quite interesting for people to know uh, about this, yeah, this little group of people who happen to be immigrants, which is already a, a group a category of people, which it's interesting to learn about. And then they're French, a lot of them. I'm not French myself, I'm Belgian, but French is my first language. And, uh, and I started a show recording. The idea was to interview them. But quite quickly, I got the support from uh, people I met from other role-playing games club uh, here in London, which are British. So I started interviewing them. And suddenly from something which from the get-go I wanted to be outward looking because again it was not not so much about what we call the hobby. It was about uh, the, the people playing it, the, the role players, the rollists. And uh, from from this little target group at the beginning, I started opening and opening and opening, and I started running into into people with the excuse of role-playing game at, at the start, but I interviewed a Beck Hill, which is a, an Australian immigrant who was a comedian, a successful comedian here in London. And I also take advantage of my personal uh, work travels or personal travels to, to run into people. Just walk into a shop with my microphone and say, hey, I didn't plan that, but actually you got a, a very nice looking role-playing game shop and board game shop, and, and I'd like to, to know who you are. Would you, want, would you mind answering a couple of questions? And that's how uh, one of my most recent shows, I was in holidays in uh, Florence, Italy. Uh, I didn't even take my microphone with me. I used my, my smartphone. This is why I, I keep apologizing about the quality of sound of that, that episode. But they got a, a game shop there, which is amazing, which is called Stratagemma. And when I was there, there was an author of role-playing games, just there manning the shop there were a couple players and uh there were lovely people i mean amazing people very diverse people so uh women men young people creative etc a very different walk of life and, and they got this shop and it's their headquarters and uh, and it's just amazing and it's amazing for me to have the the show as an excuse to to engage with these people and it's amazing for me to be sort of hopefully a, a little vector for people to yeah to connect with the, with those those people. Very very yeah. awesome. Hey, Sherilyn, have you ever heard of uh, the comedian that he was talking about, Beck Hall? I was actually thinking that I think they must only be successful in London because it did not ring a bell. Is there going now? Come on, surely Australian. There's not many of us. I should know that person, but no clue at all. But what I was wondering, right, was because French is your uh, your native tongue. I tried to learn French about five years ago. It didn't stick, didn't last very long. But I did notice that a lot of French words are spelled exactly like the English counterpart, but it's just the pronunciation is completely different. Like bizarre. I'm like, yeah, mate, that's bizarre. 
but the way the French say it, it's kind of like bizarre and it's all lovely <laughs> and it's spelled exactly the same. It's just really pretty. <laughs> well, well, if so, it's spelled the same, how come you couldn't learn it, Tyrolyn? Well, I can I can read some French, but I tell you what, I cannot speak it because like it's meant to be like je pete on Australia or whatever, and I'm like, yeah, je pete on Australia, Mike. Oh my yeah. god, <laughs> that's okay. That's you're butchering it. <laughs> you, you didn't say je pisse sur l'Australie, so that's okay. <laughs> so how, how how do I say that pretty? Because my accent must sound atrocious in French if I'm like je m'appelle Tyrolin. Like it hasn't got this lovely little this lilt this. Like, I can't do that. How do I make it pretty? Uh, for the fan of Will Wedden in Star Trek, you already sound much better than uh, Minuet in uh, the Star Trek episode where she said, Enfant, you sound too Paris, yeah. And you're like, really? That's a professional production? They couldn't find one French woman? <laughs> no, your French sounds, sounds fine. The, the thing oh, is, that... English... <laughs> The thing is, English borrowed a, a number of uh, words and expressions from mm. foreign languages, and not only French, but uh, the thing also is that, uh, well, it's not exactly French, but uh, England was conquered by uh, William the Conqueror, who was from Normandy, and he brought a lot of his own language there. And also, if you look at the, um, the what do you call that, the, the shield, of uh, the royal family here, you, you actually have texts in French because French was part of the, the right. royal language. So they, they, there's a sentence, Oni soit qui mal y pense, which is old, which means, uh, uh, hmm, it's difficult to translate. It means that um, uh, you are a bad person to think wrongly of that thing. Uh, and that's the that's the tagline, the motto of an order called the Order of the Jartière, uh, which is an English thing, uh, which is the Order of the uh, Garter Belt. Right. So, and a lot of things like uh, food words like beef, pork, um, actually are the French words pronounced differently. So, the the animals which you would use the words of the, the common people in the fields in the medieval time, uh, use the, the English ones like uh, pig. Uh, that's more uh, a Saxon word, I guess. Why uh, mm. pork is the French word because the nobility would speak French. In, in Belgium, it was the same way. We had a, a number of different languages. We've got people who speak, uh, we used to speak Walloon, nowadays they speak French. You have people who speak, still speak Dutch, uh, the German, Flemish people. Yeah. But the, the high Burgundy and the nobility uh, would speak French with each other. Wow, that's well, very high level and historic. It's, it's like hardcore history with Dan Carlin we'll today. See, no, like, well, here, I've got a little bit more history because I found out something quite interesting the other day. Because sometimes I think of very random questions and then I go on like a mad Google frenzy search. So I asked the question the other day. I went, where did the American accent come from? Because if you're all English, how did it come to be that you're all like, yeah, hey, can I go to the bathroom kind of thing? So. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> the, you mean the loo I guess you mean the loo yes the loo darling the loo so apparently they're saying that the original English accent sounded more like the American accent today and I don't know how true that is because they're talking about like non-phonic and phonic sounds how the English used to roll their R's so it was you know weather kind of thing and apparently when the American Revolution began there were people in the English society who started speaking differently to try and make it sound more upper class. So they started saying, you know, weather. And that way it was more posh. <laughs> and like, I don't know if that's true or not, but it seems to be a very plausible thing. A lot of historians are backing it. And um, they even say that apparently Shakespeare, when performed in an American accent, sounds better because that was originally how it was performed. I don't know how true that is. And if anyone who is listening knows the answer to this, please tweet me because I'm super curious. Tyrion, I'll, but, um, I'll explain I'm it to you right now. There. I'll explain it to you right now. Are you ready? (laughs) Aliens. Aliens. I knew it. (laughs) This should be a video show because your impression was perfect. I just don't have the hair for it. Aliens. (laughs) And I've got the crazy bed hair right now, so it's totally working. (laughs) Speaking of aliens, uh, you are also a fan of Star Wars, are you not? Uh, I am indeed. 
that's what brought me to tabletop RPG. One day, uh, I asked my parents for. Uh, I was collecting all Star Wars books, the the technical manuals, the art of Star Wars with with Ralph McQuarrie's drawings and stuff like that. And then I saw this book, which was uh, explaining all the details, the background of of Star Wars, and uh, so oh, so I want that. And it happened to be a role-playing game book, the the, the French edition of uh, the West End Games uh, Star Wars role-playing game. And that's how I wrote, I, I got this book because I was a spoiled child. And then, the, uh, yeah, I tried to understand what is this role-playing game? It's, uh, I feel so old when I talk about that with, with guests of my own show because nowadays it seems so much simpler. You're going to Google it. You're going to see videos, going to find podcasts, you're going to watch uh, Ashes of Alcana or Critical Role, and it will be obvious to you what is a role-playing game if you're curious about it. But in my old days, <laughs> you got a book with explanations, and you're like, this is a board game? I, I don't have any peace. Apparently, I'm supposed to have dice, but they're not included with the book. There's no board. Oh, is that supposed to work? And uh, why I had the book, I think it took me at least four or five years before I finally ran into people who, who knew about the game and and I, I could play along with because I attempted to run it on my own and I was alone. I didn't know about it. Yeah, anyway. But yeah, I'm a big, I, I was a big Star Wars fan. I'm still a big Star Wars fan, but it's been a, a weird ride with the, you know, the, the prequels. And I know you got a new movie, so it's on the up again a bit. Well, sorry, sorry for the the people of the prequels around here. It was, it, it was a, a bit of a watershed for a moment for me. And yeah, it, it's so funny how fandom I used to be isolated. Uh, I didn't have any people within reach who were big fan of Star Wars, as such big fan of Star Wars as I was back in the early 90s and and again now it's so exciting to to have so many medias and so many people you contact that it can be in the us it can be in australia and you can share your fandom with them it's it's very exciting mm. so of the original trilogy what's your which one was your favorite uh... I think it would be. Uh, I'm. I'm gonna go to. I'm gonna play the hipster and say the the original A New Hope, uh, the one which launched the the thing. I mean, I, I love the Empire Strikes Back. I love the Return of the Jedi. Also, I lead. I, I hear a lot of people complaining uh, about it. Uh, again, in my small isolated world, uh, I never complained about it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it, which one? It's it's blurry. Yeah, it's Joe, Joe is showing me uh, the the DVD of the of the one. Yeah, I would say the the original one, really, in its original version. That's just what Joey does. Sorry, every freaking podcast just randomly holds up <laughs> different DVDs, different pop finals, just to make you jealous. No, the the DVD here that I have. Um... Because this, this was printed in Canada, so it has both English and, and French lettering on it. Um, it has a second disc, which has the original theatrical 1977 version of Star Wars before they did any additions or um, editing to it. So, oh, nice! It's a uh, it's it's a very important piece of my uh, <laughs> my media mm-hmm. collection. But I thought I would share that. He I just it against his face. <laughs> I, I just like watched that. it. <laughs> I, I just watched that movie over and over and over so again. Uh, I just watched it so much on, on VHS, and uh, it's yeah, again, it's it's weird because I, I saw the original one, the, the episode four. Then I saw Return of the Jedi, and only much later I saw the Empire Strikes Back because uh, availability of. VHS tape back in my days. So yeah, it's um, yeah. So back in your days, and yet you look like you're 12 years old. Cut it out, (laughs) right? (laughs) Yeah, that that, I'm lucky with that. I'm 37, so oh wow, I I, I hide my game. Thank you for very much. Yeah, but you both look like you're 18 years old. That's all. Oh, that's what no makeup does. Oh, and I'm not it's wearing so any I'm, makeup, I'm so I'm really special say. today. No, it's your morning no look. 
this and this is my 1am look i've actually got like uh these ten dollar pajamas on that look like they belong to an eight-year-old they're blue with like these little i don't know what kind of dog this is what kind of dog is this but like a bull, a bulldog with a yeah, with guess. a bow tie I'm just terrible with dogs. I'm not a dog person, but I'm say I'm, I'm already. I like dogs, but I feel like I'm in the inner circle of uh, Team Woman already because I'm uh, just so tyrolling in a PGs uh, early in the Yeah, morning. man, you are on the in crowd. You are, I think, maybe only the second person apart from Joey to ever see this. So, woo, part of the team. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Blair, you picked a great day to be not here because. So, what about you two? Are you? What about you two? Are you Star Wars fan also? Uh, oh, I, I, I Joe, you are, but I'm, No, I uh, I've tried and I've, I appreciate it, but I, I can't get into it. But everyone says I look like Ray, so I feel like I should at least give that movie a go. I can't say uh, it, so, but I'll give it a go. So you haven't tried the, the most recent movie then? I haven't. I just no. <laughs> I think you would actually enjoy Rogue One, uh, Tierlin, because what the beauty of Rogue One is that it is a Star Wars film, but until you see any stormtroopers or a lightsaber, you wouldn't realize that it was a Star Wars film until they start talking about the plans for the Death Star. And yeah, so that, Rogue, that video Rogue that I shared with you, seriously, seriously, when I was watching that video for the first time of that woman's first reaction to the ending mm. of Rogue One... Like, I cried at the end of the movie regardless because it started, it pulls at you. And then I watched her react to it and I couldn't help. I had to cry with her because <laughs> it was so intense. <laughs> I've had so many mixed responses though to Rogue One. I've, ha I've had so like 50-50 people say, Tyrion, you will love it. It's so different. And then I've had other people go, it's just like, it's a depressing war movie kind of thing. And I had a choice between saying Rogue One and why him with James Franco. And I went with the James Franco movie. Oh, God. No, seriously. Rogue One, Rogue One is actually really, really well. It is a really well-done movie. I, I really enjoyed give it. Give it a go for you. I'm not like, sure how yeah, I'm going to like the Han Solo <laughs> movie, though. Yeah, yeah. The the Rogue One sort of upped my excitement for the Han Solo. I was not so keen on the, the project either, but... Uh, yeah, we'll see. I think, yeah, let's give them a chance. I'm trying not to be uh, too... Uh... Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I just saw Spider-Man Homecoming yesterday. That was that was quite nice. Oh, no spoilers. I still haven't seen it. Oh, my man. <laughs> I want to see it so bad. All right, so... Let's see. What That's... Else? <laughs> <laughs> That's super efficient. <laughs> I know. Super efficient over here. Uh, to 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 defend ourselves, it's it's not easy because there's quite a delay between the three of us. So when someone tells something funny, I think it takes half a minute before you actually see people laughing. Yeah. <laughs> the beauty of editing, I hope. <laughs> so you're also a fan of uh, Back to the Future. I'm sure Tierlin and I can join in on that, as well as Ghostbusters. Um, you know... I was born in the 80s, and I still have not seen the original Robocop. Thanks for the Furby there, Terrilyn. <laughs> it's uh, not a Furby, it's a Mugwai. It's a Furby. It's a freaking Mugwai. Yeah, that's not a Mugwai. It's Gizmo, look at him. It's a Gizmo Furby. Mm. Okay. You see? Is that like a legit thing, a Gizmo Furby? It, yeah, it is. Yeah, I, leave the tag. I left it on. I always leave the tags on. Oh my god. He's a Gizmo Furby. Wow. Oh. Uh-huh, he's so annoying, I took the batteries out, but he still looks cute. <laughs> Does it still speak without the batteries now and then, huh? I hope it doesn't, because that sounds like a horror movie just about to begin. <laughs> just don't get it wet. But the thing is, the thing is, I took the batteries out, and now he just kind of stares lifelessly, because I actually can't physically close the eyelids, they're kind of like frozen open, so it's really quite eerie. Yeah, just being stared at oh, in the middle of the no. night by your toy, that, that makes it much better than it talking. Yeah, no, he was actually really rude. Like, I found my Furbies were always polite, but this gizmo, like, he kept, like, blowing raspberries at me, and I just, I had nuts. I took out the batteries. <laughs> but he's still cute. <laughs> um, so, th there's an interesting fact here uh, that you're a fan of Vampire the Masquerade. Now, 
I got introduced to Vampire Requiem, which was the one that came after Masquerade. Um, and then in a online MMO uh, called City of Heroes, uh, there was a particular server known as Virtue. And Virtue was considered the roleplay server where you would actually, like, in text, like, if you were talking, your character was talking, not not you, the player. And there was kind of a bastardized version of Vampire the Masquerade um, with all the different factions and whatnot. And how did you come about learning about Vampire the Masquerade? Because I know that it came out in the early 90s. Um, but I, I became more of a fan of Masquerade than any other of the uh, later stuff that White Wolf uh, produced. Well, I find it very nice that you bring up uh, Vampire the Masquerade because in the world where uh, I started role-playing games, Vampire the Masquerade was the big, big game. So I, I, I guess I started role-playing games in a, in a very small, weird window uh, where I was because it was before they came up with Dungeons & Dragons 3rd Edition. And before that, I don't know the details, but they, they went bankrupt or whatever. But long story short, you, you people knew Dungeons & Dragons, but it was an old game uh, with old set of rules. Uh, people were playing it, but not so much anymore. But the, the new one was not out and not planned to come out yet. And and the context where I grew up uh, when I started playing role-playing games, people were, they were it was much more balanced between the games. You didn't have this hegemony of Dungeons of Dragons. You had people playing uh, a number of games and they were kind of uh, on a balance. And one of the most popular was Vampire the Masquerade, which was a, a very popular game in, in France and Belgium. And they even had the, their own setting called Paris by Night, yep. uh, which for a long time, it was an official book. Actually, it came out of a very, of a very popular magazine, which described it. Uh, it's called Casus Belli. And so they, they had their own setting and people were playing uh, Chicago by night and Paris by night. These were the, the two very popular ones. And, and the, the, those were just uh, uh, the, the most popular game uh, the, I would find around me. So the, those were the ones I, I would have the most chances of, of joining uh, now and then. Uh, I, think, I think people in France, uh, they, they liked the, the fact that it was about conspiracies and and uh, the intrigue and this sort of things they were they were very excited um, about that and it, it was just an extremely popular brand and it, it's really weird for me today when I look at the landscape of role playing games that so little is said about Vampire the Masquerade and it was also a game compared to others which now nowadays I don't know if or much inform you are with that uh, but they, there's a lot of what they call indie games and narrative games and the the, the way it's presented is that uh, games for a long time were mostly about rules and not about telling stories and sometimes I'm a bit annoyed but it's presented as something which is new to to tell more stories well in the 90s Vampire the Masquerade was the game where what mattered was the story of a character what mm -hmm. was happening with your vampire etc and it was extremely popular and towards the end of that you had vampire um, interview with a vampire which came out which was right alongside the this kind of Anne Rice universe I mean it was literally an adaptation of Anne Rice so so yeah it was, it was just very popular and I played a, a few games uh, based in Chicago and um, live action role-playing games also uh, evenings you would show up in a big mansion and people would dress up and for a night play a story live acting the characters like actor would do so we would not be around the table but going yeah. around the mansion and running into people and even go outside now and then yeah i had my first experience of the live action role play version of uh vampire when i attended a tabletop convention and it was actually my very first convention i ended up flying to san francisco for the very first time and I remember, because I had never really run into live-action role-players before, and when I I ran into one without realizing I had commented their outfit, oh, man, did I meet one of the nasty ones, because he was, 
he was in character, but man, he was rude as hell. (laughs) (laughs) And then, uh, that was, it was also the same time I met, um, because they had, uh, werewolf, the apocalypse going on. So I ran into werewolves and mage, the awakening. I ran into a bunch of them, but it was because of my experiences and, and knowledge of vampire that drew me into the world a little bit of True Blood, because I had not read the Sucky Stackhouse novels. Um, I watched the pilot episode for True Blood, and I was like, okay, this is weird. This is just kind of like Vampire in a way, except everybody is aware of the vampires, because you had the sher- you had sheriffs, you had uh, princes and people who ruled certain territories, and the only thing that they didn't have were the, the different type of of a vampire like Nosferatu and 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 so on and so forth. Uh, when you played, uh, what particular vampire was the the t- type of vampire did you tend to uh, go towards? Uh, well, the, the live action, I had an excellent time playing um, uh, Nasamit. Uh, I'm sure you call that in English. Uh, Ashashim, the assassin uh, clan. Mm-hmm. So I was pretending to be a, a brusha, which are the usually the fighting types, but uh, I was actually a part of a, a forbidden clan uh, made up of assassins, uh, which are based on a, a sector cult which existed in history. And um, it, it was a blast because the the story was uh, we were all invited by the Prince of Paris, so the, the guy in the vampire in control of Paris, mm-hmm. and he was about to sell. Is princedom. He wanted to retire, so that was a team of the the evening. Everybody was surprised because that was a big announcement. And then we had uh, interviews with him one by one. And when it was my turn, uh, he passed me a message asking me to uh, kill his son, and uh, which was a bit surprising. <laughs> And uh, yeah, that was the so the whole evening I, I attempted to to kill a friend playing playing his son. Uh, but otherwise, uh, yeah, Gangrel also the the types which uh, are more bonded to nature and the sort of things, uh, the, the sort of low life, etc. Uh, I haven't been playing for a very long time, and what I'd like to run now is a game which I would start telling my my players, preferably people not so used to role playing games. And telling them, well, you you know, true detective, you're gonna play something like true detective, and and they wouldn't know that they're gonna be in a vampire game, so they're gonna find out along the game that oh, uh, they, they, they've been turned. Tricky. So I would start things like, oh, you wake up in the night, you've been oversleeping all day, you don't feel well, you feel hungry, and and tr- see for long, I can hide from them their their own condition. That. Is actually, I would actually be interested in doing that. Uh, right now, uh, in because the way in in my household, um, my my housemates, uh, he runs uh, all kinds of games. We just uh, finished doing Fate, um, and now we're doing GURPS. And the cool thing about GURPS is that you can do just about anything in GURPS, like literally just about anything, and um. And when I when I say anything like, <laughs> there's two bookcases dedicated to this game alone downstairs, because <laughs> uh, what we're doing is is we're playing in the old west, in a world of steampunk with a bit of magic in it, but we're all furries. So I'm a three foot tall snow weasel, who hears <laughs> phantom voices, has a gun fetish, and is a gadgeteer from hell, uh, basically, and. Let me let me tell you what. Any chance I have to blow something up or make any kind of device as a weapon, oh, you bet your ass that's what my character. Basically, my character is a because the charisma of my character. He's so he he looks gullible upon appearance, but he's extremely dangerous. So it just it makes everybody's awareness really really bad on him. <laughs> So he looks like a really adorable version of um, Rocket from Ga- Guardians of the Galaxy, but he's a snow weasel instead of a, a raccoon. Um, but yeah, role-playing games, I gotta say, that the, the possibilities are, are 
so much they're, they're so endless and i love it when studios uh start to take notes from role-playing games like uh the librarians they take a lot the guy that does the writing and creating of it he uses a lot of the fate game system to do his show really? yes he uh, Whoa. uh well he said it himself on the, the tabletop episode that he played with felicia and uh will wheaton they when they were playing a, a quick game of fate um that you know he uses the fate system to help create the basis for uh the show the librarians and then that's you cool. have uh the netflix movie called bright that's coming out in december and aside from having from not having uh futuristic tech it is got a lot of elements of the game shadow run in it which got a lot of people's attention on facebook when that trailer got released even got my attention i've never played shadow run and even i was like ooh this seems familiar in a good way. So I'm excited for that film. Uh, any films you're excited about coming up uh, throughout the rest of the year? Uh, coming up, uh, well, to be honest, I'm more on TV lately. Uh, I know. Uh, it's just, I, I mean, I went, I went to see Spider-Man. It's part, I'm, so, I'm sorry for the movie industry, but yesterday I went to see Spider-Man Homecoming. And I always feel like I'm being punished when I go to cinema. Because <laughs> there's, oh, dear. there's so many commercial. There, even yesterday, Spider-Man Homecoming, there would be something for kids. And it was an early session. It was not even very late. And you got commercial for cars, for sports, for whatever. And you even have commercials for, let's say, it's good causes. But like there was a commercial about not droning by the... British Coast Guard saying, if you fall in cold water, you shouldn't do that. And the, the scene is literally hundreds of people falling in cold water. Like you would be at the bottom of the scene, Game of Thrones, in the last episode. And you see, and there's a voice saying, yeah, the, the instinct of human is to go towards the surface and then move, etc. And it's cold, etc. No, you shouldn't move. You should just float and, and breathe. And I was like, why is this one for? Is that for perfume or razor blade? <laughs> and then it was no, it was it was just straight. Don't drone. The court ghast of England, and oh and, and you're like, I, I came here to see Spider Man, <laughs> and and you see, uh, yeah, uh, Jeremy Clarkson making advertisement for Amazon and all this mainstream stuff. I'm so. I don't want an Audi car. I don't want. I don't want any of these things. <laughs> and and you go to a cinema, you pay, and you at least now you don't have any more the thing. You shouldn't film because piracy is a crime. But you're like, I'm here and I'm being punished. I mean, when I buy a DVD, it's the same. There's a, the announcement. Don't this trailers. I don't want this piracy thing. I feel like I'm being punished. At least if I watch Netflix. Or Crunchyroll, uh, I don't have all these things, and uh, and Netflix is just producing amazing thing after amazing thing. So, what I'm excited about, uh, I started rewatching Legion, which is a amazing show. Uh, if you love, uh, if you love anything, just give a try to Legion. It's very exciting. Um, great actors. If you like Audrey Plaza, she's great in that. Uh, I just finished Glow, which I loved. Uh, I discovered Little Witch Academia on Netflix, which is great. Uh, I can't wait for Stranger Things. Uh, what else? Yeah. There's so many. There's that uh, new uh, Will Smith movie coming out at the end of the year on Netflix. And I forget what it's called, but it's pretty much they've got fairies and elves and goblins in the real I was world. That's what Joe mentioned. <laughs> that, that's that a Shadow was, Run. Oh that's God. a movie bright that looks reminiscent of the game Shadow Run. Oh, my God. I so can you tell excited. somebody's I'm, sleepy. I'm gonna, yeah, can I blame the, the time difference? So you're excited about that movie, Tyrolin? Well, I'm excited about it. Now I realize that we're talking about the same thing. Would you like to play a game set in that world? You, you don't play any tabletop RPG, do you? No, I don't. I don't really have the time. Oh, about trying it. this I mean, one. I, 
I mean, you really just told me about this vampire masquerade and I've just Googled it ready to like download it for tomorrow. Cause that sounds so epic. Cause the only sort of game I played that was online back in those days was um, Ultima online. I don't mm-hmm. know if you guys ever played that. Yeah. That was kind of like the introduction to it all for me. But, well, um, this one sounds so much better. Uh, vampire the masquerade. It, it, it has a PC game. It's not really more along the lines of what he was playing. He was playing uh, a tabletop, so it was like D&D, but it was vampire. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. I um, still play that. Like, I do love D&D, yeah. but we just haven't got the sort of support around town for other people to play. Mm-hmm. Put an ad on Craigslist. in town, basically. Do you have Craigslist in Australia? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, no way. We do, <laughs> and, like, it's... You don't want to go on Craigslist. <laughs> oh, poor Taylor. Misconnections. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Joe, you should set up a game for Tyrolin. You know, that's the funny thing is that nowadays people, because thank goodness for the internet and whatnot. I mean, mm. we we just had uh, an interview with JP, who is practically right next to the Arctic Circle, and you know, thank God for the internet because we can actually connect with people literally all over the world. So we we we've now connected with somebody. Uh, near the Arctic Circle, and now we got to get somebody in Antarctica for crying out loud. <laughs> the and, North uh, Pole is next. <laughs> right. And um, a lot of people, what they're doing is is that they're doing a lot of things um, through voice chat software, including role-playing games, whether it's on Google uh, Hangout or if it's on uh, Discord or Curse Channels and whatnot. So I, I got to say, it's a great time to be alive. It's a great time to be alive. It is. I mean, people who are like, oh, nostalgic of back in the days, I, I think they are really misinformed about a lot of things. Yeah. Until the robots take over. <laughs> well, like, there was that one, I can't remember which comedian it was, but he was talking about, uh, at the time when he when he did the, the skit, he was talking about, it's weird how 10 years ago we were excited about unannounced company coming over and we're like oh yeah stay the night like you know like family relatives or like you'd get a phone call like oh my god it's grandma calling and nowadays if the phone rings how we avoid it like oh my god why is it ringing make it stop (laughs) like it's it's weird how all that like just completely shifted and it's because of technology that we're allowed to have a bit of uh anonymity that we're allowed to kind of like close ourselves off and we've been given a chance to have so many different excuses of like, oh, I didn't hear it ring. I had it on silent or, oh, I, I wasn't home or, oh, my internet went down or I completely misplaced this or whatever. It, it's given us so many excuses to disconnect while at the same time it's given us so many options to reconnect on different levels. So Yeah, until Facebook message uh, first introduced the, the red message. The red, the red message. What's that? Yeah, like no, not like the not red. Sorry. So like you know, like if someone talks to you, and you can tell they've read it, and oh. then they ignore you. Like there is no ah, excuse yeah. after that. Gotcha. Like, I told you, meant red, red the color. So, yeah, like, the red. Yeah, like red. Like I'm reading a book, kind of thing. Yeah. No, I, I am aware. My, my speech is going. What, what, what language am I speaking? I don't know anymore. Certainly <laughs> not English. <laughs> all right so normally this is the point where i do rapid fire however this episode because i have led this podcast this time (laughs) uh i i didn't really have much of a chance to write any questions down so we're actually going to jump right into a game which means tierlin your ass is up we're doing the game oh we're doing a game we're gonna play google feud all right let's see oh Uh, Let's see if I can remember how to read. Okay. You One moment, know how people. to do it. You, you know how to read. I don't know how to read. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's there's a podcast episode name. I know how to read. I know how to read. I just type in good good reads instead of Google Feud. Oh, it's <laughs> it's, it's not going well. <laughs> oh my lanta. Oh, okay. Here we go. All right. Do you know how to play this? Um, yeah. So you, <laughs> you're gonna start rude. typing a a sentence on on Google, and uh, we need to like, uh, why are the French? And we need to 
to the to guess. It. Here we go. Okay. Alright. How does Google autocomplete this query? Mums. Oh. M-O-M, I'm the, oh no 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 no. <laughs> I got it. Mom's cooking. The word. Mom's the word. New. What? New. That's totally that? a thing. No, totally not. What about mom's cooking? You know, like mom's home cooking. Isn't that is that like a brand over there or something? It's a saying. It's not really a brand. <laughs> <laughs> Close enough. I'm typing in mom's cooking. No, okay, I'm wrong. Okay, Callum, it's it's all on you. It's all on you, buddy. You got this. What what do you want me to do? So you have to autocomplete uh mums. Yeah. Dot dot dot. So we've said mum's the word. No. Mum's cooking. No. I, I actually okay. don't know where to go okay. Mums um uh... Recipe. Mom's receipt. All right, there we go. No, oh, okay, okay. So our very first one for 10,000 points. We have mom's birthday. Ah. Uh, because uh, all mums have a universal birthday or... Oh, what? Is that a thing? Because, yeah, there's, there's this whole stigma that nobody remember, that nobody will remember their mom's birthday and if you forget it, you know, you're going to hell or something. What? What is this? I've ne- is that like sort of step on a crack, break your mother's back? Not, what? not really. It's more of it's more of a lack of respect for mom that if you forget her birthday, like you're you're going to hell, kind of a thing. Going to hell is, no is, a, okay. is a stretch of like, you know, you're you're gonna get an ass beaten because you forgot mom's birthday. Like how could you? Like how dare you? Oh, gotcha. Okay. All right. So then we have mom's man, mom's manufacture. Huh? Mom's manufacture. Little... Yeah, mom's little monster. Mums and dads, yeah. Mums spaghetti M M&M. and M. Mums life. <laughs> Are you sure we got? I should have said spaghetti. <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> Mums bunny. What's that? I don't know. I don't even want to know. <laughs> no, I'm a bit suspicious because we all know what a bunny. <laughs> Mum's cro- oh crochet. I thought that's a crutch for a second. Mum's crochet. <laughs> Mum's treasures, and then Mum's um, market timonium. I don't know what any of these are. All yeah, right, we gotta do uh, another one. I wouldn't have guessed none of those. All right, here we go. This I feel this that was just a warm up. Here we go. We got a really good one now. How does Google autocomplete this query? I don't like to work i don't like to <laughs> i don't like to work no i'm gonna go out on a limb and say i don't like to have sex damn it thought that would be one okay it's all on you callum uh i don't like to sing i don't like to sing that's a good one hang on I can spell. Oh, okay. The very first one. Oh, look, I, I can, I can relate to this. I don't like to be kept waiting. Ah, <laughs> oh, nice. These, uh, these ones got so many word in? answers. Like, the... <sighs> I know, right? I, I don't like to kiss and tell. I don't like to wait for to be late. Probably. No, well, this third one's really weird. Eight thousand points. It just says I don't like to do. And that's it. It's like left on the cliffhanger. I don't like to do. <laughs> to do what? <laughs> anything. Anything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you I know what I don't to... like? To do. I just don't like to do. I don't like to do life. That's it. <laughs> I don't like to travel. I don't like to bother you. I don't like to oh. wait. I don't like to be busy. I don't like to talk. I don't like to sleep alone. And I don't like to you. I don't like to you. Like, I think Google, <laughs> its grammar, is currently reflecting my own at <laughs> this current time. <laughs> Alright, one more round. One more. Alright, here we go. We have to get one. We're terrible. Yeah, let's do culture. Let's change. Okay. How does Google autocomplete this query? Polar bears are. 
endangered. Oh, I went party and put way too many R's. Here we go. No. Okay. Uh, polar bears are cute. I was going to say, okay. I, that one's got to be on there, too. Yeah. No. No, we, we suck extra tonight. Yep. Oh, my God. Danger Dangerous. Dangerous. No, okay. <laughs> I Wait. I put endangered. Endangered, not like, dangerous. Did you not spell no, it properly? I No, at first I spelled like a pirate, and I was like, endangered, but I fixed it. And for some reason it said no. So we're going to say we had 10,000 points. So stuff that. We got that right. So polar bears are <laughs> in danger of dying out. <laughs> Cheat the system. It's going to be depressing. Polar bears, <laughs> polar bears are left-handed. Yeah, I should have thought, thought of that one. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, there's that, that rumor that they're left-handed. And I don't who put a pencil in a polar bear's hand? And said, yeah, hey, look, Mary, they are. Or they're ambidextrous. You know, polar bears, they might be endangered, but they're selfish. <laughs> yep. <laughs> polar bears are not endangered. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> polar bears are in danger. Polar bears are from, and again, cliffhanger, because it just ends there. Like someone just, it's like someone was typing in Google, all these people, and then just got bored of writing the rest of their answer polar bears are white polar bears are brown and here's a big one which this would have been tricky to get polar bears are facing extinction in the wake of retreating sea ice and polar bears are in danger of dying out unlike some other endangered animals for 1000 points so basically we suck yep <laughs> <laughs> on that note <laughs> Kaloum, uh, can you tell everybody where we can find you on the wonderful world of the interwebs? You can find me on the interwebs. Uh, the most easy place and the most reactive place is Twitter at RollistPod, so R-O-L-I-S-T-E-S-P-O-D. Uh, otherwise, you, if you type RollistPod pretty much anywhere, you find me on Facebook. Uh, I got a WordPress where the... The show, rollyspot.com, uh, you find the, the Rollies podcast. Uh, and you can type the RPG Academy also, which is the network I'm part of. If you are based in London, you can join us to our monthly Le Drinks and Dice, which gathers role players from all the clubs of London. And it's... Um... Was that it? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, Facebook, Twitter, Google Plus. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, sorry, it just seems like you, it just seems like it abruptly ended for some reason. All of a sudden, <laughs> you just been on my like, like, like say a sentence like <laughs> I don't like to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, polar bears are from. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> All right, I want to thank uh, Kaloum for joining us here on Hoopod. It has been a blast for sure. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> anytime. Anytime you wake up around 1 in the morning or 5, uh, you, you just Skype me and we can record it, and uh, that will make sense uh, to your listeners. <laughs> And thank you again for joining me, Terrilyn, on the podcast as well. I know it's like super early in the morning over there for you. It is, um, but like it, it's look, it's fine. It is fine. I'm. I apologies to everyone who has to listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, as Blair would say, until next time, guys. Take care. Yeah, bye. And uh, Blair, we hope you're happy with <laughs> what we did without you. <laughs> you can find Blair on Twitter at Blair Beverage, Webisode Watch, and Hoopod. His Twitch channel is twitch.tv slash Blair Beverage, where he streams Friday evenings at 9pm Eastern Standard Time. You can also find him on YouTube, just search his name, that's him. Finally, you can catch him playing the Goblin Shaman in the web series Basic Adventuring 101, which can be found on basicadventuring101.com. You can find Joey on Twitter at JoeyGator underscore, because someone already stole it. On YouTube as JoeyGator, and you can also find him on Etsy, JoeyGator Geek Chic.
You can find Tyrolin at Tiz Thunder on Twitter, Tyrolin Puxty on YouTube, Tyrolin Puxty on Facebook, and I'm pretty much floating around everywhere. T-Y-R-O-L-I-N-P-U-X-T-Y. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next time. Very old school Lara Croft. Oh, yes. No, I haven't got the triangular titties like she did. I'll just find the right bra. They were hideous, though, right? Yeah. Like, she had hardcore fripples. Did you say hardcore fripples? Yeah, fripples. Frozen nipples. Oh, my God. (laughs) You and your Aussie slang... Have you not heard of fripples? What do you call them? Stipples? Like stiff nipples? Stiff nipples. Stiff upper nip. Yeah, stiff. <laughs> I just made that one up. I'm quite I'm quite witty. <laughs> it sounds like a cocktail, a stipple. I'll have a have a virgin stipple. <laughs> Extra dirty. <laughs> I'm a fripple shaking, not stare. <laughs> a yeah, fripple we... on the rocks.